0: Chapter 3, verses verse 6, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Hebrews chapter, uh, it should be Hebrews chapter uh, 10, verses 1 through 10. Did I? No, it's not Hebrews 1, it's Hebrews chapter uh, 10, verses 10 through 12. You, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. And they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak you will fold them up, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not fail." Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an, an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for the refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. And then skipping down to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Moving down to James chapter 1, verse 17. I love this uh, scripture here. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God does not change. No variation or shadow of turning. And then in Revelation chapter 1 verse 8 and also chapter 4 verse 8. The first quote is by Jesus. I am Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord. Who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty One. Verse 8 of chapter 4, The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Finally there in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, Therefore know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations. You know, it was just about a thousand generations ago that Moses wrote that. With those who love Him and keep His commandments. Father, we come before you and we praise and thank you for uh, the fact that you are still on the throne. And when we see things coming to pass like what we see in uh, Israel today, Lord, what's happening there with this war, we know that you are still on the throne. And even as that last... uh, uh, Song that we sang about uh, when the oceans roar and uh, thund- uh, when the o- oceans, you know, uh, roar and uh, thunders flash, uh, we we know that you're still there on the throne. So Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to uh, realize that that uh, we are to be still and to know that you are God. Okay, thank you, Lord, for ministering to us through this message today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you know that recently we've been looking at praise as a weapon to uh, be used to defeat the enemies in our lives. And a key verse for this particular season, uh, series has been, Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. Psalm 149, verse 6. And we've focused on what I term to be adoration, where we praise God for who and what He is. And to do this, we've been studying the attributes of God. And these include, but are not restricted to, his love, his holiness, his justice, his faithfulness to us, his truthfulness, his immutability, which we're going to start on today, his eternity, and then the omni uh, uh, attributes of God Om- omnipresence, he's everywhere present. Uh, omnipotence, he's all powerful, and omniscient, he is all knowing. And so far, we've looked at five of those attributes. We've looked at uh, God as love, God is holy, God is just, God is faithful, God is light and truth. We saw how those are related. And the two other things that are related to that his word, you know, Jesus said, Your word is truth. And life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. So we're going to start up out on this uh, uh, attribute of God that God is unchanging. God is immutable. Now I don't want anybody to feel intimidated by this heavy theological term, immutable. Immutable simply means in adjective form. It means God is unchanging. God is unchangeable. God is changeless. Everybody say that God is changeless. He does not change. And the noun is immutability, which uh, uh, you know in the noun form means unchangeableness or changelessness. And the key verse for this is Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. I am the Lord, I do not change. Now, when we apply this immutability, this unchangingness of God, to the other attributes, we see that because He is love, He will always love us. At no point in time will he start not loving us. He loves us throughout our lives. So don't let the devil come to you and tell you that because you did such and such a sin, because you can't seem to kick such and such a habit that is not pleasing to God, that God has stopped loving you, that God hates you now. That's never true. God will never hate you. He will never put you down and demean you as we saw in our message last week. He is always going to love you throughout your life. And I believe that He even loves those that uh, you know, are going to suffer in eternity against him. I th- believe it really breaks His heart that they didn't turn to Him in repentance. God's love for all mankind is changeless. He will always love every single one of us. Also, because God is holy, He will always be holy and righteous. He will always be pure. And He earnestly desires that we become pure and holy like He is. Because God is just, He is always going to be just and fair. The day of judgment, every person there, and every person is going to be judged by God. I've told you that before. Either at the great white throne judgment, or the judgment seat of Christ. And we will look into his eyes, and we will know exactly why we are suffering the fate that we are going to suffer. So that means we need to get right with him, number one, and then begin to be uh, produced for him in our lives. Because God is faithful, He will always be faithful to you. You know, this is related to uh, the unchangingness of uh, God, His faithfulness. As we're going to see His faithfulness to His covenants. First with, with His people, first with Abraham, and then the nation of Israel, and then with us too. He's got His own covenant with us. Because God is light and truth, He will always tell you the truth. You know, as we're going to see, it's impossible for God to lie. We, we, in fact, we did see that last time. You know, we're not like that. We do lie. But it is impossible for God, it is impossible for God not to give you the straight story. We saw last week, that, uh, or maybe the week before, that the Greek word there for truth means that which is real. What is reality? God will always tell you reality. And He will uh, tear open the veil that separates us from the spirit world and show you exactly what's going on through His Word. His Word is like a mirror into that spirit world. That's Reality. And it's more real, brothers and sisters, than even uh, what we, the world that we live in right now. Now, some things that we think last forever, really don't last forever. Heaven and earth will change, but God does not. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Hebrews chapter 1, again, it should be Hebrews chapter 10, verses 10 through 12. You, Lord, at the beginning laid the foundation. I'm sorry, it is Hebrews chapter 1. (laughs) Skip that. Sorry about that. Actually, that's a, uh, a quote from the book of Psalms 2. I think it's Psalms 102. Uh, you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain, and they will all grow old like a garment. The 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 earth and the heavens will grow old like a garment. Like a cloak, you will fold them up, and they will be changed but you are the same, and your years will not fail. So you'll look at uh, things, f- such features on the earth as maybe uh, uh, the Grand Canyon, or maybe uh, uh, Bryce Canyon, or you've also got Niagara Falls out there in uh, New York. And you look at those, and you, you know they don't seem to change during your lifetime, so you think that they're always going to be like that. Well, you know, Bryce Canyon in particular is constantly changing. The rock there is very soft. Now, if you go to Bryce Canyon, you go to uh, uh, Sunrise Point. I love to go there. You know, you will see a lodgepole pine and this thing is just uh, barely standing by its roots. You know, the actual tree is about two feet away from the canyon rim. And that's because, the scientists tell you, geologists tell you, that the Bryce Canyon is currently eroding back by as much as three feet per century. And you can see it in action with that lodgepole pine. And, uh, you know, uh, so basically, Bryce Canyon is just a freak of nature. It's there for us to enjoy now. But maybe in 10,000 years or uh, 20 or 30,000 years, it won't even be there. It will have all eroded away. The same thing is true with Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls is currently eroding back, I don't know by the particular pace, but apparently it wasn't even there until the end of the last ice age. And it's eroded back to where it is uh, over a period of about 10,000 years. Soon it won't exist either. You know, it kind of a drop in the bucket in terms of uh, geologic uh, time. Now the same thing is true of the heavens. You know, our ancestors used to look up to the heavens and they saw the all the beautiful stars that were up and they noticed that a few of them moved around, you know, which we call the, the planets. The five planets that we can see with our animated eye. Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. And uh, uh, But the rest of the stars are fixed uh, except, of course, you know, the Sun and the Moon were moved around too. But uh, the other stars just seem to be fixed. And that's what would really freak them out is when the comet would come by. Because the comet was always, usually thought of as a harbinger of doom and gloom and things like that. You know, because it was a departure from the natural order of things. But you see, what our ancestors didn't know is that the, the, the stars that seem to be fixed up there with the constellations and everything, did you know that they're moving too? They just don't appear to move to us because they're so far away. And then one particular star uh, uh, called Arcturus. If you who knows how to find the uh, the Big Dipper, you know you know how to find the Big Dipper. It's prominent, you know, especially during the springtime. But if you follow the handle of the Big Dipper over maybe about a quarter of the sky or so, there's a really bright star there named Arcturus. It's the fourth brightest star in the heavens. It's very close by astronomically speaking. I looked it up last night, and it's only about thirty-seven light years away. So that's really much closer than uh, most of the rest of the stars that you see out there. And then they checked the star maps, and they found that hey, Arcturus—it's not in the same position it was, you know, several hundred years ago. That's because of its proper motion, you know, because it's so close by, it's moved. And then they realized hey, that these stars that seem to be fixed. We're actually moving, and we're all moving around the Milky Way galaxy. It'll take a couple hundred million years, I think, to make a full rotation around. But in the meantime, all these stars... So if you lived 10,000 years ago and you looked up at the constellations, they would look totally different than what they look now. <clears throat> Same thing with the uh, uh, sun. How many of you think the sun is going to last forever? Anybody? No? Okay. Well, you're right. It won't last forever. You know what's going on in the sun right now? Is The sun is driven, the sunlight that we have is driven by... Uh, nu- what they call nuclear fission that is the helium there the lightest element is currently being fused into uh, hydrogen the lightest element is being uh, fused into helium the next uh, you know uh, lightest element and that's the same process that drives the energy in a hydrogen bomb so in effect, the sun is one humongous hydrogen bomb, and it's cur- That's what's uh, you know giving us sunlight is the energy from that thermonuclear explosion. So you say, well, why doesn't the sun blow up? You know why it doesn't blow up? It doesn't blow up because of gravity. So the outward pressure from the thermonuclear explosion is. Contra- uh, contramanded, you know it's overcome by gravity, which is uh, uh, trying to scrunch the uh, uh, sun uh, the sun's core into uh, uh, tighter and more compact. So it's in perfect balance. Now astronomers said that uh, say that's been going on for 4.6 billion years. But you know what's going to happen? Eventually, the sun is going to run out of that hydrogen fuel. And you know what will happen then? That core will, uh, gravity will win out and the core will collapse and become hotter and hotter. And then the sun will start to fuse that helium, you know, leftover helium, into heavier elements like carbon and oxygen. And it will get hotter and hotter and that will cause the outer layers of the sun to expand. The sun will become a red giant and that will bake the earth and actually engulf Mercury and Venus and perhaps even the earth. You know what that's going to happen? In five billion years. You know, I, I heard this story about a guy that was lecturing about this and he said uh, the uh, sun is going to swell up into a red giant and uh, destroy the earth in five billion years. And this guy raises up his hand, and he says, what did you say? How long is that going to happen? He said, five billion years. The guy said, Oh, for a second I thought you said it was only going to happen in five million. I don't think any of us are going to be around here five million years. Well, well, we'll be around, you know, but we'll be with the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But the the bottom line is, this temporary world, the heavens and the earth, change, but God never changes. The sun will not last forever, but God will last forever, and we will last forever too, because that's the way He has created us. Okay, God's immutability, again, that's unchangeableness in action. And I'm just going to touch on these, uh, this right now, and then we'll wrap things up and uh, enjoy our pot bless. God's immutability in action with His covenants. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promise. That's us. Amen. The heirs of the promise, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by oath, that by two immutable things. By the way, this is the only time that those two words, immutable and immutability, are used, at least in the King James Version. two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. Remember we saw that it is impossible for God to lie. We might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. Which hope we have is an anchor of the soul. I love that imagery right there. We have this hope in God and his promises, and that's an anchor for our soul. And when we get tossed about, we can remember that God is always truthful. He is always faithful to his covenants, both sure and steadfast. So, you know, I look, I, I've i looked at that uh, word there, uh, that phrase there, two immutable things. And, you know, I, I didn't know exactly what those two immutable things are. So just when I was preparing the message, you know, uh, the, uh, yesterday, uh, I looked it up. What are those two immutable things? You know what those two immutable things are? The two covenants. The promise and the promises that underlie it. Okay? There are the two covenants. The old covenant that was given first to Abraham, then expanded under Moses. And then the new covenant, which is the one that we are underneath. So the first one was given to Abraham, and you read about that in Genesis chapter eighteen, verse eighteen, and it's repeated in twenty-two, verse eighteen, and that in um, that through Abraham, all the nations of the world would be blessed. God gave that to Abraham in eighteen, eighteen, Genesis eighteen, eighteen, and then He confirmed it when He. Showed that God was more important to him than even Isaac, you know, his only his only son, the child of the promise. And then he reaffirmed it in Genesis twenty-two, verse eighteen. This was later on confirmed to Isaac, the child of the promise, by God. You notice it was Isaac. It wasn't the, his other son. His other son was Ishmael. Ishmael was not a, the child of the promise. He was a child of the flesh. God had told uh, Abraham that he was going to have a son, and when he got to be about eighty-six, he says, "Well, I, I you know, uh, uh, I, I guess maybe I got to help God along." So. Uh, in fact Sarah, his wife, is the one that suggested that he do this and she gave him uh, Hagar, her handmaiden and said, take her, as wife, and then she can bear seed through me. Well, that was a child of the flesh. That was the uh, act of trying to help God along. God doesn't need our help. Can he say amen to that? And it's when we try to help God along, that's when we get into trouble. And by the way, Ishmael became the uh, progenitor of the Arabs. And they just, you know, it talked about how uh, uh, Ishmael, you know, was persecuting, making fun of Isaac. You know, Isaac was 13 years younger than he was. And God was angry about that and said, told him to cast out the bondwoman Hagar and Ishmael. Well, they went out and uh, uh, they, they lived and uh, didn't die. But, uh, uh, you know, Ishmael became the progenitor of the Arabs. And that's why you've got the Arab-Israeli conflict right now. That's going on even today. Okay, but Isaac was the child of the promise. And it was reaffirmed to him that through him all the nations of the world would be blessed. This covenant became expanded when the law was given through Moses, the lawgiver. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Therefore know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. Now, the big question is, how would all these nations be blessed? Those nations included the United States of America. Those nations included the Navajo Nation. They include the nation of Thailand and China and all of the African and European nations. All those nations would be blessed. How? Through the Christ child... That would be born and become the redeemer for all mankind. It was through Abraham's seed, through Isaac, and then then Isaac and Jacob, that the and later the covenant was confirmed to narrowed down even further to David. And through the uh, David, you know, Jesus called the son of David, right? Isn't that what he's called? Through David all of the nations would be blessed, because Jesus Christ, the Redeemer of all mankind, would be born through them. Okay, so that covenant with Abraham was immutable, unchangeable. God made His covenant with Abraham, and it's still true today. But that old covenant that was made with Abraham, and later Moses, is superseded, that its it's been uh, surpassed by the New Covenant. The New Testament, you know, there's a saying that says, the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed. It's hidden away. This New Covenant is hidden away in the Old Testament. You've got to try to dig it out. And the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. Everything that occurred in the Old Testament they they didn't understand it you know it was only revealed when the new new covenant came along God's revelation is completed in the New Testament or covenant you know testament and covenant mean the same thing it is therefore superior to the Old Testament but the promises to Abraham Isaac and Moses are still in effect today. And that's why these Arabs are never going to win in this war against Israel. Israel is going to stand forever. You know, we pray for uh, Israel every uh, week, don't we? Mm -hmm. And we also should be praying for the peace of Jerusalem too. says in uh, the book of Psalms, you know, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They prosper who pray for you. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, if I pray uh, for the peace of Jerusalem, I'm going to get a million bucks. No, it doesn't mean that. It means you're going to prosper spiritually. So that covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Moses is still in effect. Now, the book of Hebrews was written to Hebrew Christians. You see, the Hebrew Christians in the Greco-Roman world had a problem. And that was because of their very nature of being Jews, they were persecuted by the Greco-Roman society because they worshipped the one God. And their one God wasn't the one of the uh, pantheon of the uh, Greek and Roman gods, you know. They didn't worship Zeus or Aphrodite or, uh, uh, you know, the uh, Hermes and all the rest of the gods in their their pantheon, you know. It was like they said, well, you can worship any of our gods, you know, but, you know, because they refused to worship them, you know what they were called? They were called atheists. They were atheists in the eyes of the uh, Greco-Roman secular world. But you know what? The the Jews always had each other. Even though society as a whole would ostracize them, they still had each other. But then you know what happened? The Apostle Paul and other missionaries started preaching Jesus Christ. And many Jews turned and accepted Jesus Christ as their Messiah. And then the Jewish world turned them out too. So they had nobody. So a lot of the Jews were beginning to turn back into Judaism. Forsaking the Lord Jesus Christ and turning back to their own religion. And so that's why the book of Hebrews was written. And the, in the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews tells them, Don't do this. You have a better covenant. That's the key word in the uh, uh, book of Hebrews. Better. Jesus is better than the prophets. Hebrews chapter 1, uh, verses 1 and 2. God who at sundry times and diverse manners spoke in times, times past to the prophets has in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. You know what that means? It means there's no prophets For today, Joseph Smith is not a prophet of God. Muhammad is not a prophet of God. Sun Myung Moon is not a prophet of God, or Jim Jones, or any of these other cult leaders that claim that they're prophets. They're not prophets. You don't need a prophet today. Why? Because you have the Son. God speaks to us today through the Son and you can let him speak to you personally by learning to hear his voice. He wants to speak to you and give you guidance, give you strength, give you power to defeat the enemy. The son is there. And if you you name the name of Jesus Christ, he's living in your heart. You don't need a prophet. So Jesus is better than the prophets. Jesus is better than the angels. Hebrews 1 verse 4. Being made, having become so much better than the angels, as he has obtained a much more excellent name than they. He's better than Moses. Hebrews chapter 3 verses 3 through 6. says that Jesus is better than Moses. Moses is the uh, keeper of the house. He's the servant in the house. But Jesus is the builder of the house and the son of the house, the owner of the house. So Jesus is superior to Moses who was just a servant for the Lord. Jesus was better than Joshua. Joshua led them into the promised land. That was to be the land of rest there. But they didn't get the rest. But Jesus comes in and He gives you rest. He gives you that abundant life if you ask Him and depend on Him. So Jesus is better than Joshua. Jesus is better than Abraham. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 6 talks about the old covenant. The one that was given to Abraham and then later on to Moses. It was founded on better promises than what they had in the old covenant. Those promises were still valid. They're still valid today for those those uh, uh, children of Abraham. But we as Christians have better promises. He was better than Aaron and the Aaronic priesthood. Hebrews chapter 7, uh, particularly verse, verse 12 and verse 24. So, what I'm trying to say is, the Old Covenant has been superseded by the New. And while the Old Covenant is immutable, it's unchangeable to Abraham, Isaac, and Moses, God has replaced it with something even better. The New Covenant. Therefore, the old, New Covenant, which was inaugurated, by the way, you know, uh, 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 the writer of the book of Hebrews brings this out. All these covenants are inaugurated by blood. When Moses inaugurated the Old Testament, he took the blood of animals and sprinkled it on the book and on the people. And then, of course, the new covenant was inaugurated by what? By blood? The blood of Jesus. Okay? Yeah, read the book of Hebrews. It's it's really... I was talking to Sarah and she, she was telling me how she really liked the book of Hebrews too. Okay? Because we have a better covenant... Founded on better promises, we also have a better high priest. Hebrews chapter seven, verses twenty-three through twenty-four. And they truly, this is speaking of the old testament uh, priest, they truly were many priests, because they were not allowed to continue by reason of death. Translation: the old covenant priests, what happened to them? They died. Right? But this man, referring to Jesus Christ, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Unchangeable there means intransmissible or untransferable. You'd burst the uh, <coughs> bubble of the LDS people, because they think they have the Melchizedek priesthood. I don't have time to go into that. But they don't have the Melchizedek priesthood. Only Jesus has the Melchizedek priesthood. And he has it because it's unchangeable, it's intransmissible, untransferable. Only Jesus has that Melchizedek priesthood. Verse 25. Wherefore, uh, this is of chapter 7, Wherefore he is also able to send save them to the uttermost that come to, unto God by him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them. Right now Jesus is up there in the heavenlies and he's making intercession for every single one of us. You say, well, how can He do that for every single one of us? Because He's God. Amen? Amen. God can do anything. Okay? And I'm going to finish this up here. Seeing then, this is the Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 17. Uh, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession, Confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. That was another weakness of these uh, priests, you know, in the Old Testament. You know, you would be dealing with one particular sin, they they you know, couldn't really identify uh, with what you were telling them, you know, if you went to them uh, to confess it, they couldn't identify with it. Because maybe it was unknown to them. But... Jesus was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in need. Jesus can identify with you. Whatever you're going through in your life, if you're dealing with sin, if you're dealing with sickness or infirmity, whatever you're dealing with, you know, sorrow, depression, Jesus can identify with you. And so you can come before Him in the throne of grace and you will obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. And this was back in the Bible times when the writer of the book of Hebrews wrote and it's true for us because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, well, we've started into this immutability, but how many of you thank God that that He is immutable, that He is unchangeable? Because He is unchangeable, He is always going to be there for you. He will always love you, always be faithful to you. So, I just want to leave you with that thought.